keep here with me. Come on. I can't do it, Mom. I just can't do it. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Will I ever see you again? I want to be free of this pain. What does your heart tell you? I'm being torn apart. I hope so. Yes. I guess. Then we will see each other again. There's still light in him. I know it. I will come back and free you, Mom. I promise. If you see our son, Be brave and don't look back. Don't look back. fans and moof milkers everywhere welcome to episode number 203 blast points this is jason and this is gabe welcome to saga year year now we're in saga year and we're talking about phantom menace (laughs) (laughs) and now we're talking about phantom menace again it's crazy there's like there's no shortage of star wars things ever happening there's the kenobi show they they want to wait so it could be the the best version it can possibly be there's concept art for a version of a star wars movie that didn't get made like that's something new (laughs) star wars madness but when, when all else fails, you can always just go back to Phantom Menace, right? <laughs> That's true. Everyone's too tired to be mad at Phantom Menace anymore. It's, it's finally become old. It's like Phantom Menace and the special editions. It's like, man, that's old That's old news. <laughs> we, find, we lived long enough that finally the special editions and Phantom Menace, nobody cares. No one's got energy to complain about them. <laughs> Let's just let these old guys retire in peace. This is a year-long project we're doing every month. One of the theatrically released Star Wars movies, and this is month number one, so it's episode one. And you can probably guess, you can probably get a little chart out and figure out what the uh, the rest of the year is going to be. But just, yeah, you know, like a diagram, a pie chart. Maybe we'll post a super secret decoder that you can bring out to decode saga year well phantom menace is the first one what's february gonna be but march gets a little tricky because there is a 12th theatrical movie that you may be not thinking of but actually kind of times perfectly with uh 
something going on in February. Yeah, that's true. And that, you know, and that brings us to our topic before we get to Saga Year. Clone Wars is coming back. We got a new Clone Wars trailer for season seven. The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has. It's not all secret, unofficial rumors and things <laughs> to be excited or upset about. We have an official released trailer, finally, since we haven't gotten one since, well, never, right? No, we got one. When did we get the teaser that they when they announced that Season 7 was coming back? Was that at Celebration Europe or something weird like that? It, it was San Diego Comic-Con so long ago. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. We saw a little something at uh, Celebration Chicago, but that was never, like, publicly released, which was kind of weird. Yeah, because it seems so long ago that we saw that. Yeah, I was actually talking to a coworker on Tuesday about when's the Clone Wars trailer going to come out. <laughs> we haven't seen anything since Celebration. And then literally the next morning, it's here. So I should have. We should have talked about it sooner. <laughs> yeah, it was announced. It's going to be coming to Disney Plus on Friday, February twenty first. And I don't know. Selfishly, something I'm really looking forward to is I, as everybody knows, we say it all the time. I wasn't watching Clone Wars when it was initially released, so I never got to experience like the weekly new episode. Like I just marathoned it on Netflix over the course of like two weeks. So I don't know. I'm really looking forward to experiencing new episodes along with the rest of the world. I think that'll be, and I think there's a lot of people in both my situation like that. And like with yours, like people who are on from day one and excited to just have it come back at all. Well, I've been sleeping in a lot lately too. So it's going to be nice to have an excuse to get up early on Friday mornings. (laughs) I've been losing my edge sleeping in till eight or nine on Fridays instead of getting up at five thirty to watch some Star Wars. <laughs> it's the only way I really want to experience Star Wars anymore. We, we talk about we talked about it all the time with Mandalorian. There's something so magical to those five AM freezing cold, drinking coffee, sneaking around quietly, trying not to wake anybody up and always knocking something over. Oh, your eyes can't even focus on the screen yet. So it's kind of just like beaming right into your brain. I would sometimes like, I was so nervous about waking people up. I did this once where I left my clothes. I was going to put on downstairs and I just went downstairs like buck naked. So I was like, I don't want to like wake anybody up like putting clothes on at five in the morning. That's a good way to keep your clothes from catching on fire, too. <laughs> maybe Clone Wars. Maybe every Friday morning I'll just watch it naked. Is that is that weird? <laughs> is it? I don't know. I can't. I don't put my clothes on until the credits roll. <laughs> oh. It's the only way. <laughs> this is the way. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody spies on me through a window in the house. It's the weirdest person I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) He's watching some kid's cartoon at 5 (laughs) a.m. Buck naked. Whatever you got to do. All right. So so what goes on in this trailer, Gabe? Let's let's go through some highlights here. We get the Lucasfilm logo. We get a little uh, A New Hope style shot here, which I'm guessing is maybe over Mandalore. Because we know we're getting... Bad Batch, the Ahsoka on Coruscant episodes, and Siege of Mandalore, right? Right. Yeah. So some things that were originally planned for Season 7 are coming in, and some stuff like Crystal Crisis on Utapau. We did an episode, but if you go back to episode 144... We did a whole overview on some of the Season 7 Clone Wars animatics things that they put out. It's interesting, like, kind of like what's coming and what's not. Yeah, well, some of the stuff at least exists in other forms. So there was the Extra Mall story that ended up a comic. 
There was the Ventress story that ended up a novel. Dark Disciple. Yeah. The Crystal Crisis one, I don't think ended up anywhere, but maybe they just skipped that one because timeline wise, maybe it's farther away from Revenge of the Sith since it seems like the whole purpose of this last season is to kind of get Clone Wars up to Revenge of the Sith time and possibly right up to Order 66 or even a little after that. I think we get some hints of that in this trailer here. So we got a bunch of clips from Bad Batch, which is kind of fun because, like you said, we can you can watch the animatic versions on YouTube. So you can kind of if you if you really aren't worried about spoilers or anything, you can go back and either watch the whole episode or kind of skim through it and see where some of these scenes are from. And it's interesting. The whole trailer is kind of narrated a lot from Darth Maul's point of view, and he's kind of talking like he knows like Palpatine's whole like master plan like he's talking about how he's seen how everything's gonna change and all that stuff soon the galaxy will be remade the Jedi and the Republic of the plan the plan everything is about to change it's kind of interesting because like remember at the end of what was it season five yeah season five of Clone Wars where Maul left with Palpatine because wasn't Palpatine like, I've got other uses for you. Yeah, he at least said he had something he needed him to do or some use for him. But I can't remember if they left together or he just told Maul to leave. <laughs> Get out of here. I need to go back and watch that one. Which I don't know why I didn't watch that one when we were talking about the Darksaber. Because that's one of the last appearances of the Darksaber in Clone Wars. Yeah, so I wonder if Maul knows like about... Order 66 and stuff at this point. Maybe. Maybe that's he's got the inside information. That's how he can uh, end up being head of the crime syndicates. So he knows what's coming. But other than mall stuff, we got a lot of cool shots of Mandalorian stuff. We got some holograms. We have what looks like maybe little Kanan, little Caleb. We get, uh, the crazy hologram scene of the Jedi's talking, which I believe the dialogue syncs up with Revenge of the Sith. So we're potentially seeing scenes from Revenge of the Sith from the point of view of other characters in that scene, which is pretty wild. Like by the end of this season, Order 66 will probably happen so it would make sense that if we are cutting to like holograms at the Jedi Temple, we're going through scenes that happened in Revenge of the Sith, which is just crazy. Right, because it was funny when the trailer came out, like just how much I had forgotten <laughs> about what happens around this timeline. Because the whole thing with Siege of Mandalore was Anakin and Obi-Wan aren't there because they're, I think, right. They get pulled away to go to Coruscant to rescue the chancellor. And that's why it's Ahsoka and Anakin's clone troopers, the 501st without Anakin there, depending on how long the siege of Mandalore goes, are we going to see all the clone troopers with their Ahsoka painted helmets, basically get the order 66 call and now turn on Ahsoka. That is, that's some heavy, Heavy stuff. Just to make it extra cold-blooded. Because we know something happens and Rex gets away, but Cody, we know, does not. Well, and I feel like having the knowledge that Order 66 is going to happen and we're going to get to that in Season 7 is going to give this season like a whole different kind of dynamic than some of the other seasons where it's almost like these things are going to be happening, but you know... We're building to that, and event, especially when you start 
crossing over with moments you've seen in Sith. I mean, it's going to give those those scenes in Sith like so much extra weight. It's just like, oh, Mace Windu, don't go talk to Palpatine. Yeah. Don't bring Kit Fisto. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because it is. It's going to be almost like watching Revenge of the Sith all over again where you know it's just going to go bad by the end. But it's even worse because instead of it being like, you know, two movies of characters that you've kind of fallen in love with, it's going to be six seasons. And at this point, what, almost 10 years of watching all the Clone Wars versions of these characters and seeing them all, yeah, basically rushing towards Revenge of the Sith and Order 66. We're all so happy Clone Wars is back, but I don't think we're going to all be so happy when it's done because it's going to be pretty, <laughs> pretty gut wrenching. How do you end the Clone Wars show? Like, where does it end? Does it? I would think it does it end with Ahsoka? Do we start to like show the rest of her life because we can't show Kenobi, we can't show Anakin? Yeah, well, maybe that's why the the trailer is kind of showing us the focus of Maul and Ahsoka. That it's the end of Clone Wars is going to kind of show us where those two characters go because Revenge of the Sith shows us where what happens to Anakin and Obi-Wan and Padme and the droids and Yoda because we know Ahsoka doesn't know what happens to Anakin until Rebels time frame. So she's going to be somewhere. You know, it's exciting. I can't wait just because it's it's Clone Wars. I can't wait because it's it's something new for everybody to talk about. <laughs> It's exciting to get, you know, like we said, Bad Batch is out there, but Siege of Mandalore is not. And we kind of know some of what happens there because that's, you know, Dave Filoni's talked about it in the past. But the real exciting one is Ahsoka just off on Coruscant now, not as a Jedi, hanging out with those two mercenaries. I can't remember what they do, but it's like basically Ahsoka on her own in kind of the underbelly of Coruscant, which is something we haven't really seen anything of other than the the footage we saw at celebration yeah and i even wonder like we've seen and talked about like those bad batch like the rough versions of episodes but i wonder what's going to be different what changes have been made i know we were saying too it's it's will we ever see like the young boba with cad bane stuff or could that later play into mandalorian in some way yeah it's true because if they're not showing the stories that they've shown in other medium. So like the, the, the stories have been in books or comics or whatever, it makes sense not to put them in clone wars. And it's like, are they going to give us that Boba story in Mandalorian? If, if Boba actually shows up in season two or three and it's tomorrow Morrison, like can, can he have a flashback to Daniel Logan, like hanging out with Cad Bane, hunting wolves around the campfire, or whatever they did in that episode. Like <laughs> it, it kind of fits in with the way Mandalorian was telling its story. So that would be pretty cool if they did. It's like they got a live action young and old Boba Fett already in live action Cad Bane, even if it's a flashback, might <laughs> there'll be people exploding left and right. But yeah, it's it's really happening. Which is hard to believe, and it's almost here. We're just weeks away. Good thing we're all going to watch it naked, so (laughs) (laughs) at least our clothes will be safe. Every choice made has led to this. Have you heard of it? <laughs> it's, you know, 
We've never talked about it before, so there's a first time for this here. We've been meaning to all these years to finally get around to talking about Phantom Menace. <laughs> People are like, I love Blast Points, but how come you guys never talk about the Phantom Menace? And like, well, we're trying to fix that. We're doing our best to make up for lost time. <laughs> well, it was crazy because like we had this idea for Soggy a long time ago, and then it was like, well... We have to start with Phantom Menace. <laughs> this is like after we did like 47 episodes about it last year. And it's, well, we, we talked for a while, like, do, well, do we start with episode four? Do we go in like release order or something? And it's like, no, that's crazy. We just got to do it. What's left for Phantom Menace for us to talk about? You know, there's the endless debate after Rise of Skywalker and the debate if JJ ever has seen the Phantom Menace. <laughs> That's a topic. Yeah, maybe, maybe someday somebody will ask him. <laughs> Tell me, JJ, what happens in the Phantom Menace episode one? <laughs> well, you know, blah, 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 blah. and he just disappears. <laughs> Cloud of smoke. <laughs> Whether it's on purpose or not, there are themes and topics that are introduced in the Phantom Phantom Menace that echo throughout all the following movies. All the way into episode nine. Was it intentional? Was George Lucas planning it? Like, if you watched one through nine in a row, is Phantom Menace the one that kind of introduces all these major themes into the saga? Maybe and it, it almost is like Phantom Menace and A New Hope both kind of do that job for both kind of camps of you got to start with one. No, you got to start with four. You know, it, it works either way. Yeah, well, there are definitely threads and themes and story concepts that carry through all the movies. And some of them were introduced in the original trilogy. But even if they were, they were kind of solidified in the prequel trilogy, especially in Phantom Menace, which is the almost the prologue to the story of starting, you know, 10 years before the, the real action happens but all these kind of the dna of star wars is here and yeah like you said intentionally or not i think those threads get carried all the way through even to episode nine so what's our first deep theme that comes about in episode one that we can talk about well one is kind of the thing that lucas has talked about of these movies being about growing up and moving from one stage of life to another of, you know, leaving home or becoming a adult in some form, kind of heeding the call either to adventure or to just seeing the world and kind of leaving the smaller world that you're used to as a child. If you do start with episode one, like you said, that message with Anakin leaving home is really solidified. I mean, you it's there with Luke. He both Luke and his father leave the same planet with that call to adventure into the unknown. But Anakin's like takes much longer. Well, and in some ways his is even more it's funny cuz it's like his takes longer and his seems on the surface to be less traumatic because his aunt and uncle didn't get burned alive <laughs> while, while he was out playing with a wizard. But because his his mother is alive and he left all his friends, he's basically, he has that maybe regrets or, you know, the beginning of his attachment issues of he left all these people behind and he doesn't want to give them up where Luke kind of got away with that because everybody... When he was dead or gone, he didn't really, you know, have to feel like maybe he should have stayed. And kind of the same with Ray. When Ray leaves her kind of small, desolate existence, she doesn't really have friends or family. She has the idea of family that she doesn't want to leave, but she really doesn't have anything in reality that's keeping her there as opposed to Anakin who's who's still a small child and is leaving his mother who's you know the only family he's ever known will you take him with you is he to become a Jedi yes our meeting was not a coincidence nothing happens by accident 
You mean I get to come with you and your starship? Anakin, training to become a Jedi is not an easy challenge. And even if you succeed, it's a hard life. But I want to go. It's what I've always dreamed of doing. Can I go, Mom? Anakin, this path has been placed before you. The choice is yours alone. Pack your things. I have them list Yippee! When in the sequel trilogy, Ben Solo has left home. We never see his leaving. We imagine it. We hear about it. We see the effects of it afterwards. But what's interesting about Kylo slash Ben is we see his kind of his return home, which is something I know we, we talked about for a long time before Nine and something... We hoped Nine would do to finally kind of reverse that, where like the return of the child. Well, and that happens with Anakin too, just in an Attack of the Clones instead of waiting till the third movie in the in the trilogy. And what's kind of neat is with Ray and Kylo kind of being the two sides of the antagonist, and one kind of going to the light, one kind of going to the dark. Starting with their leaving home, Ray's experience is very similar to Luke's, where she finally makes the decision to leave, but it's potentially an easier decision because she really doesn't have anything left to leave. And then with Kylo, Kylo goes away with his uncle to be a Jedi, but he's effectively leaving his parents. And at that point, he may have not, he may have been having a better relationship with them. So it may have been harder for him to leave his parents similar to Anakin who had parents he loved to leave, which ultimately those two end up going kind of on the dark side, as opposed to Luke and Ray who have an easier time leaving and end up being able to stay more on the good side, kind of on the flip side, when they're returning home, Kylo and Anakin both kind of had the harder time leaving, which in, turn ends up giving them the worst time when they come home (laughs) like bad things happen when they come home or they're basically their worst fears about leaving home are kind of come true when they finally get to come home well and it may for some reason all that makes me think of anakin at the beginning of revenge of the sith when he goes to yoda talking about his his fear of losing padme train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. And that's interesting to think of it that way because like Ray had nothing to let go of that. She was afraid to lose. No, not at the beginning other than a vague idea that her family is going to come back, which yeah, it's kind of the same with Luke. His, his, his immediate family was burnt to a crisp and, and laying there as skeletons in front of him. So, which kind of, made it a little bit easier for him to make that decision. Yeah, Ben Solo and Anakin both had things they could be afraid to, to lose, but had coming home situations, yeah, turn out pretty differently between the two of them. Well, I think you could almost go through a lot of the kind of side characters, too, throughout the movie and kind of get the the theme of leaving home or being either intentionally or kind of forced to move on because like, I mean, it happens to Leia. She, her, her home gets destroyed. So by the end of a new hope, she's had to leave home. Pretty much all of solo was, he had to leave Corellia. He had nothing to lose there. He wanted to get back with Kira, finding a new home, finding a new family. In attack of the clones, Boba's kind of forced to make that transition because, you know, his Django was killed and taken from him, and now he's has to make that step into moving out into the world. Well, and even, yeah, Finn giving up the life he knew as a stormtrooper into this new one with the resistance. Yeah, well, Jar Jar, because he was, he was banished, but he was forced to go find his place in the world. He didn't do it intentionally, but it's another kind of variation on that theme of just people leaving home and... and 
in being forced or really in most cases being forced to kind of take that next step into if their life in some shape or form. <laughs> and technically it's saga year. So in the Clone Wars movie, little, little stinky Rod of the Hutt gets kidnapped and is kind of forced to uh, leave his home. <laughs> so there's little, little tidbits going through all the movies. It's all there in Phantom Menace, people. It's all laid out. <laughs> now, be brave and don't look back. Don't look back. At some point, you do have to become an independent person and it's about learning to let go of uh, your uh, the, your needs so to speak and, and think of the needs of others. I think there is a point where uh, even though you love your children a great deal you must let go uh, which is actually what The Phantom Menace is about it's about letting go in the sense that uh, you have this young boy who's 10 years old who has to leave his mother and go off on his own and the mother has to let him go because otherwise he would be a slave the rest of his life so what's our next topic so next thing is compassion showing compassion it's a big deal in the phantom menace well and it's a big deal in star wars if it's a big deal in phantom menace then it's a big deal in Star Wars because Phantom Menace is the the beginning of it all. You bought some instant ramen and Phantom Menace is the condensed powdery packet of Star Wars flavor <laughs> that some people just like to pour right out of the little, <laughs> little foil thing right into their mouth. Some people can't handle that, but for other people... That's the taste they want to taste. <laughs> it's never been summed up better than that, ever. <laughs> so let's talk about compassion in The Phantom Menace. You've got... The first thing I think of is every part with Anakin and Shmi Skywalker. Anakin talking about how nobody helps each other. It's the biggest problem in the galaxy. Anakin risks everything to win the Boonta Eve race. So Qui-Gon, this guy he just met, that has a laser sword, can get the parts for his ship, and it can gives without any thought of reward. And what do, what do you think of when, when you think of the notion of compassion in The Phantom Menace? Yeah, Kid Anakin is definitely, he is the embodiment of that. I mean, he makes, he builds 3PO because he wants someone to help his mom. Qui-Gon kind of is the Jedi with the most compassion. He runs into Jar Jar, Obi-Wan, thinks he's annoying, but Qui-Gon can see that everybody has value, everybody is worthy of compassion, so he helps out Jar Jar. Well, and Phantom Menace is so interesting in that way where it you have all these people like on Tatooine being really nice to each other and everyone helping each other. It's the biggest problem in the universe. Nobody helps each other. And then soon as Anakin gets to Coruscant... It's like a different story. Like, Anakin is still the nice kid, but he's running into, like, all these jerks on the Jedi Council that are just, like, zero compassion. Right. And that's kind of potentially a jarring thing going into Phantom Menace is you start with Qui-Gon and seeing, oh, the, in, in your mind, like, oh, this is what a Jedi is like. And then you realize that not all the Jedi are showing the compassion that Qui-Gon is showing and that maybe there is a problem here because this little kid from the from the middle of nowhere is doing everything he can to help these people he hardly knows. Mom, you say the biggest problem in this universe is nobody helps each other. I'm sure Qui-Gon doesn't want to put your son in danger. We'll find some other way. No, there is no other way. I may not like it, but he can help you. He was meant to help you. Well, then you take that same theme of compassion and you look at it in the original trilogy. I mean, the biggest thing, of course, is the ending of Return of the Jedi with Anakin's final act of compassion, saving his son 
from the Emperor. Right, and before that, it's Luke showing compassion to Vader and letting him know that he still he still believes his father's in there. That's the weapon that defeats the Emperor, not the fleet of rebel ships, but it's the compassion between Luke and Anakin. And even with the, the sequel trilogy, it's from Rey to Ben, from Ben to Rey, it's those acts of compassion that allow them to keep going. Well, and it's kind of tied through the whole sequel trilogy. I mean, Finn decides not to be a stormtrooper anymore because he sees his friend who was killed and he has compassion for his friend and he sees these people that they're being forced to shoot and he has compassion for them and he realizes he's, he can't do this anymore. So he runs away. And in Last Jedi, Luke, who kind of loses his way when he gets his way back towards the end, he basically, because of the compassion he has for his family, his sister specifically, he uses all his strength to force project to go to Crate to allow them to escape and then also to talk to his nephew, who he still has compassion for, to hopefully teach him the lesson that he learned but had forgotten about just having compassion for people and even for people who you don't think deserve it. Ray throughout the sequel trilogy, she is compassion. I mean, you think of all those forces of destiny shorts, you know, where she was always like, like, like healing the snake and she is so compassionate and so giving and helping of others. Her first Reaction to seeing BB-8 is to rescue him and, and fix his little antenna. Because even though it's a droid, it's still worthy of her compassion. I mean, she's, we keep saying she's like the Qui-Gon in a way, right? Qui-Gon sees Jar Jar and he's just this goofy Gungan, but he helps him. And Ray sees this droid that just wandering in the desert. She doesn't care. It's just a droid. She helps him and becomes friends with him and ultimately... He returns the favor and helps her. And, and of course, her saving Kylo and Ben Solo then later saving her. Like we said, it's all there in Phantom Menace. These, these acts of compassion that ripple throughout all the films, they're, they're, <laughs> they're always the deciding factor in each of the three trilogies of the Skywalker saga. The giving of oneself, compassion, it's all right there. Biggest problem in the universe, nobody helps each other when people do it. There's no problems in the universe. Well, sa saving what you love, not destroying what you hate, is compassion. It's Star Wars. Star Wars is compassion. That's what that goofy Lucas guy was trying to teach the kids, that you can always see people at their best if they're usually at their worst. Well, and you know, you can even, it's, it's not technically part of Saga Year, but you can even apply that whole theme to The Mandalorian. Yeah. The Mandalorian slowly learning compassion for the Yoda baby. That's basically all that show the first season was. <laughs> yeah, and by starting to feel that way and, and do that with Yoda baby, it's starting to now spill out into the other people that he interacts with. By the end of the season, he almost has like this little family of friends. In addition to his Mandalorian clan, he's now becoming having real relationships with people who don't have helmets on which he wasn't doing at the beginning of the season secret ultimately which is the bottom line of star wars and the other movies is there are two kinds of people in the world compassionate people and selfish people the selfish people live on the dark side the compassionate people live on the light side and and if you go to the side of a light you will be happy. It's compassion, helping other people, not thinking about yourself, thinking about others. That gives you a joy that you can't get any other way. Being selfish, following your pleasures, always entertaining yourself with pleasure and buying things and doing stuff, you're always going to be unhappy. You'll never get to the point. You get this little instant shot of pleasure, but it goes away, and then you're stuck where you were before. And the more you do it, the worse it gets. You finally get everything you want, and you're miserable because there's no, there's nothing at the end of that road. Whereas if you are compassionate and you get to the end of the road, you've helped so many people. Okay, so what's our next? What's our next topic? So the next one is kind of the opposite of compassion, which is fear, which is another 
component of Star Wars of dealing with fear, facing your fear, responding to fear, and Phantom Menace. I mean, Yoda says it outright in his speech to Anakin about fear in the Phantom Menace. If it wasn't obvious enough from the original trilogy that fear is a thing in Star Wars. You know, it's like all those things where somebody has counted the number of times something happens in all the Star Wars movies. I wonder if somebody ever counted the amount of times someone says the word fear. I would have to think it's one of the most said words in all the Star Wars movies. Well, wasn't it one of when Rick McCollum was like giving us one line from Revenge of the Sith? Wasn't I don't fear the thing he said? And everyone was like, oh my gosh, somebody says I don't fear. What does it mean? Oh, yeah. Smash a bottle over your head. Everybody went on eBay and just bought all the no fear gear they could find. Pants, shirts, hats, beach towels. No fear. Somebody jumps out of an airplane with a parachute that says, I don't fear. And a picture of Rick McCallum's face on it. Fear. Fear attracts the fearful. The strong. The weak. The innocent. The corrupt. is my ally well and you know <laughs> the title the creeping fear that we were always supposed to get at some point kind of seemed plausible because fear is such a big part of star wars and especially phantom menace it came up a lot in the sequel trilogy too with I feel like especially in Rise of Skywalker with, you know, Luke was saying he was on the island because he was afraid. He's saying confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Leia saying never be afraid of who you are. And even in Return of the Jedi, Palpatine says, I'm afraid. Well, he even he, he starts to sting that. <laughs> but he's not saying it in that he is afraid, but because his whole existence is about evil and fear. It makes sense that he uses that word and sings it because he probably sings songs about fear all the time when no one's around. I'd like to think in Rise of Skywalker, he actually always just looked fine. And he was just putting on like a scary show just to try and scare people because he's just all about fear and scaring people. We didn't realize that Exegol was really just like the galaxy's edge of the Star Wars universe, and it was just a, a Sith Palpatine amusement park. <laughs> it's like, if it, you know, if it's Sith magic and cloning, if they just cloned, like, young Palpatine, and he's like, I don't look scary enough. Quick, quick, Kylo's coming. Put on some white contact lenses. And he had, like, spooky hands. <laughs> I tell you, he went to Spencer Gifts and bought everything. <laughs> <laughs> the strobe lights, the fog machines. The, yeah, the spooky rubber hands. Some Grim Reaper robes. He stopped and got some monster energy drinks to plug in behind him. Yeah. All the mummy people were just extra masks that they threw in because he bought so much stuff. This giant Snoke hologram cards. But it's true, though. I mean, everyone did eventually, all the Jedi eventually did confront fear as like their final test. Ray did it twice. She did it in Last Jedi in the cave and she did it in the Death Star a little bit in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Luke had his moment in Empire. Yoda did it in Clone Wars, in the not in the movie, but in the series. Anakin kind of did it a lot. He just never really, he, he just kept having it happen in real life. I wonder if Kenobi's confronting fear. I wonder if we haven't seen that yet. It would make sense if that was part of the show. Because, yeah, we've talked about that, that he's got to, it's going to be some some dark parts of that show where he's just dealing with regrets and regrets or fears, fear of the past. All the time, it would be really interesting if Kenobi's arc in the show, whenever it happens, take your time, get it right, get get that recipe right. But whenever it happens, if Kenobi is similar to Luke and The Last Jedi, if those two stories, stories will kind of mirror each other a little bit. Running into to Luke in A New Hope kind of is like Ray showing up on the island or the running into the droids kind of revitalizes him. It's all there in Phantom Menace. It's all there in Phantom Menace. How feel you? Cold, sir. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you. 
we can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm, afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What has that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. All right, what's what, what's our last theme that we're going to talk about here? So the last theme of Star Wars that's kind of cemented in Phantom Menace is the idea of family. Star Wars is about family. And it's, it's about the obvious thing, the Skywalker family, but it's also over and over again the theme that family is what you make of it. I feel like the sequel trilogy really pushed that into the front more so as a big theme. But it it exists in the prequel and the, and the original trilogies, too, a lot. Yeah, because there's always, I mean, there's a mix of, you know, people literally being related to people. But there's also, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan meet in Phantom Menace and by Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan says how they're, they were brothers. And in Attack of the Clones, Anakin says how he's the closest thing he's ever had to a father. Like, they become a family by being together as Jedi. And as much as the Jedi Order had its issues, they were really a family. And they were a family of all, almost orphans in a way, because they were taken from their families. They didn't have real parents. It was like, the Jedi are kind of a found family. The Rebels... The whole Rebel Alliance as a whole, Luke, Leia, Han, Lando, the droids, they are a family. Chewbacca finds a new family every few years because his friends just get old and die and he has to find new friends because he, he lives so long. Oh, and you think of the, the team in Rogue One, how they all come together pretty quickly. And by the end of that, they're like a family. And they're all these orphans and misfits and you know even at the end of phantom menace when the the naboo and the gungans team up they kind of go from being separate people to being one people of naboo and kind of becoming a family or it's like solo it's like is it family or tribe what's the difference kind of the same thing by the end of phantom menace the all the people of naboo have now become the same tribe or family instead of being separated it's a controversial topic but I mean, the biggest one in the sequel trilogy, of course, probably is Ray, right? Well, yeah, by the, I mean, by the end of Rise of Skywalker, right? That's what she's all about. She picks her family and she picks a new family, her ghost family. She kind of has three families. She has her, her buddies back in the resistance. She's got her bizarre blood family, but there's nobody really left in that. That's weird. And then she's got... Her adopted family, the, the name she takes on, if she goes back to Pasana, she can make everybody happy if they ask what her last name is. It goes back to what Maz Kanata said to her back in Force Awakens, that the belonging that she seeks was not behind her, it was ahead. And I get that's still pretty true by the end of The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, because she finds out who her blood relatives are, but in the end, the people she spends her time with, those are really your family, whether your blood relatives or not, or your ghosts. If you're spending time with ghosts, the ghosts are your family. Because, yeah, family is what you make of it. It's who you're with, not necessarily who you're related to, who makes you happy. And like we've said a million times, that echoes right into George Lucas with his wife, his family, his adopted children. That's his family. The fact that that theme has been so important throughout all the Star Wars films. And it's so front and center in the Phantom Menace of like going back to begin, like we were saying, like the call to adventure and Anakin leaving one family with his mother, going into another family, starting something new. Family is, like you said, family is who you care about, who you're around. It's all there in Phantom Menace. <laughs> the core ingredients of your Star Wars soup or stew you don't always have to pour the whole packet. You Sometimes you just sprinkle a little bit, but that's all the Star Wars comes from that little sprinkling of flavor that Phantom Menace mixed together so well. If you leave out that flavor packet, sometimes it doesn't have any flavor. Maybe you can enjoy it, but it's just not going to be right. It might still have noodles in it, but it won't taste like Star Wars. <laughs> well, one to nine, 
It's a wild, wild ride. I wonder like how it will all flow. Like one day I'm looking forward to when like they're all on Disney Plus and I wonder if like if you watch episode one, will it start to count down like starting the next episode? <laughs> like it take you right into Attack of the Clones and can you go right through one through I'm looking forward to that day like when you take nine days and you just watch one a night to really kind of stack them all up against each other. Like that'll be really interesting. Disney plus will probably just recommend empire after each one. (laughs) (laughs) You sure you don't just want to skip ahead to empire. Have you ever seen the empire strikes back? I'm trying to watch attack the clones here. It's the next one. Well, speaking of attack the clones, what are we talking about next month with attack of the clones saga year? Who knows? Uh, it's going to come a little earlier in the month because we got to deal with some Clone Wars stuff, but um, which is fitting because the Clone Wars series comes immediately after Attack of the Clones. So there you go. There you go. It's all coming together. If there is one thing that you would like to be remembered for, one project that you have done or that you have yet to do, what uh, what would it be? Raising my kids. It's a lot harder than making movies. Let me tell you. <laughs> Experience the spectacle. Feel the excitement. Share the fun. Take the journey. All over again. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Rated PG. All right, so it is that time of the month where we give the big shout out to all the members of the Blast Points Patreon army over there on Patreon. We appreciate all of your support so much supporting the show. So let's start out with a big thank you to Trevor, Mick, Ian, Robert, Nathan, Matthew, Darren, Adam, Brad, Austin, Alex, Ben, and Chris. Paul, Liam, Shayna, Will, Ronald, Joshua, Kevin, Simon, Rebecca, Ross, Sean, Norm, Brent, Timothy, Brooks, Chantal, Jason, Augusto, Eliza, Andrew, Robert, Mitchell, Adam, Elliot, Colleen, Andy, and Joshua. And thank you to Rick Reed, Kevin, Jesse, Timothy, Doug, Kara, Susanna, Francisco, Holly X, Tim... Chris, Patrick, Lawrence, Andrew, Joseph, Kevin, Sam, and Robbie. And CW, David, Ryan, Dustin, Kathy, Kit, Stephen, Allison, Anuj, Ash, Connie, Jay, Josh, Jeremy, Ryan, Brian, Patrick, Angelo, David, Joe. And thank you to John, Steve, Marie, Jay, Jason, Tracy, Dave, Terrence, Stephanie, Jonathan, Matthew, Rodney, Amy, Craig, Steve, and Brandon. Thanks to Marissa, Neil, Michelle, Olivia, Kevin, Sean, Brandon, Brittany, Tom, Ian, Aiden, Christian, Jim, Jessica, Thomas, Thomas, Suki, Nick, Rachel, Manny, Miss Art, Bobby, Pav, Patrick, Jonathan, Julia, Demi, Eaton, Lenka. And thank you to Sky Talkers, Andrew, JJ, Brian, Stephen, Andy, Ross, Lady Vader, Christopher, Caleb, Jay, Mike, Jose, Sharon, Josiah, Raymond, Kirsty, Vic, Thalion, Jake, Dale, Tom, Sagarius Crum, Angel, Hammy, Candace, and Matthew. And thanks to Jen, Jesse, Christina, Jake, Emily, Amber, Sinatra, Jackson, Michael, Paul, Carrie, Justin, Jordan, Mike, Rob, Jonathan, Khadija, John, Katie, Benjamin, Amy, Drac, Amy, Matt, Jeff, John, Eric, and Todd. Whew. Whoa. Wow. All right. So every, every single name on there, you are all awesome. We thank you for your support so much. We got a black hole episode out there. Very soon is going to be a commentary for the Phantom Menace. If you haven't had enough Phantom Menace, we're, we're going to make sure that you are full of Phantom Menace before we move on in Saga Year. 
<laughs> we will never talk about Phantom Menace ever again. For at least a month. <laughs> well, and then next month, uh, it's going to start our weekly Patreon Clone Wars episodes, which are going to be so exciting. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank 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 you. Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. Jerome St. John Blake. Um, I played Masamida, Rune Harko, Oberansesis, and a few other guys in the Star Wars prequel trilogy. And I'm standing here with Gabe from Blast Points Podcast and uh, looking forward to my debut appearance on his show. Watch this space. And may the force be with you. And these... Last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. You know what's going on, you know what the deal is. Apple Podcast Reviews, if you're listening on something Apple and you want to write us a little review, go ahead, write it, say something nice, we'll read it on an upcoming show, and it helps the show somehow in that mysterious Apple Podcast chart kind of way that nobody understands. It's like Sith magic and cloning. Nobody really gets it. But it's able to bring back stuff from the dead, so... (laughs) In case Vlad's <laughs> voice ever gets thrown down a reactor shaft, Apple Podcasts will somehow bring us back to life attached to a giant crane arm. So please give us five-star reviews so we can live forever. And after that, check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, and use the forks is back. Star Wars recipes from Metal Cakes. Kathy. Kathy. It's the best. This month is Qui-Gon gingerbread cookies. I didn't know you could buy those crazy cookie cutters that look like Qui-Gon's face. It's amazing. So so if you need one, go buy one and then all your food. You can make eggs that look like Qui-Gon gin. You can make all your food. Just pour spread yogurt in it so your yogurt looks like Qui-Gon gin. Whatever you need to do. And then check us out on Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, and make sure you sign up for the Super Chill Group on Facebook so you can talk to Blast Points people all the time about Star Wars insanity and goodness. And next week, folks, next week, I don't know if people are ready, but things are getting kind of sexy next week. (laughs) We're going into uncharted territory. So, yeah, if you thought we were getting a little little serious next week, it's going to get sexy. It's going to get wild. It's going to get alphabetical. (laughs) And we're not talking about watching Clone Wars naked. No. All right. So until that, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.